Welcome to Touch Podcast, conversations of spirit and body. This is Ryan. And this is Nate. A little warning here, folks. The themes in this podcast include topics not suitable for children or adults who act like children. Previously on Touch Podcast. What are the things that you've taught or shared that have made people do a double take? Like, what, really? Well, one thing that it has resulted in is that the teenagers in this church know that in my bottom right-hand drawer in my desk in my study is where the condoms are. Yeah, so in this this episode, we're going to jump in at where uh, Pastor Amy uh, is talking about the benefits of having done sex-positive education in her church for the past 10 years. Yeah, so here's where Pastor Amy talks about um, how she addresses sexuality in her church. And I love this so much uh, because she's confronting the issue um, head-on. And she's got a great sense of humor about it. And I honestly think one of the reasons why she's able to do this is because in her church, the head pastors are women. So um, I want that to be something you guys consider. Uh, And later, we will also hear from the other pastor of the church, Pastor April Baker. Um, She she handles a question regarding asexuality that um, kind of stumps me and Ryan for a little bit. (laughs) But um, Pastor April handles it like a champion. Right? So, because if you can't get them anywhere else, I know my pastor's got me taken care of. You know, I know where the condoms are. Um, Now, now, to Nathan's question, (laughs) that's awesome. I wonder if, like, at some point this will be posted, this will be on uh, iTunes, and people can make comments on uh, on the internet. And uh, so, we're going to get, I imagine, we're gonna get quite. There's gonna be people who are gonna be like, "Did that? Did she just? Did say that, that woman, lady, pastor, person just say that she has a drawer full of condoms?" That's not like full of condoms. They're well, like okay, sorry. note cards. Like, and they're like every time letters. you like try to get your your stamps, you have condoms falling in the floor, and you're like, yeah. oh, you're gonna kicking them back under the the, yeah. You know. Oh my goodness. One of the most ah, oh, because it's just so good. I can't really stand it. One of those beautiful outcomes of my participation with you know 10 years worth of that kind of work in this setting was that uh, when my daughter came home from school cranky one day and was angry with a friend not even a boyfriend but a friend who was a male they were juniors in high school and um, I asked about it and she said he had gone in her backpack to get something and he saw a condom there and he freaked out. He was angry about, you know, he's giving her down the road for having a condom and she whirled on him. Like, you don't want me to to be taking care of myself? You're not interested in my safety? You're not interested in the safety of other people? You're not, I was like, "Hmm? you go girl. (laughs) Um, So there's a, there are at least two generations now of members of this faith community who have who will never have the experience that you had as a young married person or that I had as a as a junior high school student or a young married person or whatever Mm -hmm. um, because they know more and they can be more responsible when they know more and they are less desperate because they know more Mm -hmm. and they know how things work and they know when it's a good idea and when it's a bad idea. And so, you know, when they're, my children are now 18, 19, and 20, and when we're, when there's a, you know, a 
farmyard of teenagers sitting around my kitchen table, um, it, there's usually some laughter. But when our conversations turn to sex, it, it's easy to say. Uh, and I don't even have to say it anymore. They say, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's an adult activity. And if we're going to participate in adult activity, they're just parroting me, um, please and for God's sake, they'll say, do it like adults, right? And not in somebody's car or on the ground or somebody where somebody's mother might walk in. If you're going to act like an adult, then act like an adult. Do this, take the responsibility for your health in all of the ways that we measure health and um, be appropriate. And they can articulate this. And um, I, I feel like it's just this <laughs> great shining success that a community of faith encourages this sort of awareness and uh, ability to talk and um, activity with their young people to the point that this year there was a workshop. We didn't host it here because it was being hosted in town by a school that we're affiliated with. We've got kids in that school um, raising sexually healthy children, zero to eight years old, so that our parents who are who are f raising two and three and five and eight year olds and don't want to, uh, you know, and they're getting questions earlier and earlier and and wanting not to leave scars that then when their kids are middle schoolers and come to the first sexuality retreat, they're like, yeah, well, my mama said I couldn't do that. You know? So it, that's very helpful. And uh, after, because uh, usually following um, our sexuality retreats, there's some reference in Sunday worship about where the youth have been this weekend and what they've been doing <laughs> and not doing. Um, it's often, you know, mentioned in a sermon or uh, at least in our announcement times. And um, this past year, a number of adults, adults said to me, I want to go. <laughs> and I, I mean, I was kind of thinking the nice. same thing. It was like, nice. Can we, can we have kind one of, a of those creeper, for adults? Nice. So it's on the calendar. We'll have a weird, you know. <laughs> we yeah, so a, you're having like a adult sex camp. We had a hard time naming it exactly. Okay. We're calling that, it like that's, a yeah. sexuality seminar because, you know, workshop was a little hands-on. <laughs> yeah. But, I yeah. I can't yeah. believe I'm hearing this right now. Yeah. Well, it, it, well and, it, and the way that we're advertising it is saying, so that you will know what your children know because they're getting it right and you, <laughs> they can help you here mom their generation mom. is yeah. their generation is so much healthier than yours and mine yeah. because they've grown up in a way they can talk about it and wow. they know more than you know and they're glad to tell you but let us help facilitate the conversation yeah. oh wow and i wonder i wonder if we'll have time tonight to Wow. To talk about what prohibits the larger evangelical community in the United States from even approaching sort of a, a holistic and wholesome and sex positive sort of message because I don't think 
I've seen some programs that are not quite, not as shame, not as, not as hardcore shaming as, as the one that I did, but I don't know. I think maybe we should do an online poll and see how many pastors have, have condoms in, <laughs> in their drawers. I think go to www.touchpodcast.com <laughs> on the bottom right hand of the screen. Please complete our poll. Oh um, do I have condoms in my drawer? Yes or no? <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, since you brought up a poll. Um, oh, <laughs> since you brought up a poll. Where is this going? Wait a minute. Where Wait, where's the drummer? <laughs> yes. So uh, it was Halloween last week. And uh, on Wednesday night at our usual supper and prayer time together, a parent of a sixth grader said they had been to a Halloween party at a school friend's house. This is not a church event. At a school friend's house. Um, the mother of the school friend is a professional pole dancer, which is apparently a fitness thing. Okay. okay? I mean, I'm 55. <laughs> but there's, I, uh, you would think we wouldn't be shocked anymore, but there's this, there's this fitness craze that's pole dancing. Yes. We've got, um, we've got people in the audience nodding so, for those of you. Yes. They're like, I've been uh, going for three years. So the kids were <laughs> all great. off in the bedroom where the pole was practicing. Of course, and, uh, of course. And yeah. he said when his daughter came back in and said um, she was really tired from having been pole dancing, he's like, you know, these are words I never expected to hear from my daughter. I just need to say uh, the conversation with her about pole dancing. I didn't see that coming. So, yeah. <laughs> Different kind of poll, but there you go. Okay, well, we're gonna, there's two polls on our website right now. You go. The second one is, tell us about your experience in pole dancing fitness. Okay, let me jump in here and okay. say that this is where we would spend 30 seconds talking about how awesome our sponsor is. If we had a sponsor, and if it were you or your company. Yeah, because they'd I, really be awesome. They would be. And I'd start off talking casually about your company. I'd add a few fa- interesting facts to our huge listening audience how to get some more of whatever you got. I've, I've tried it myself. I can't stress enough about how amazing this is. Uh, so go to touchpodcast.com for more information about helping us buy decent microphones and faster internet. just realized the acronym for that is ASS. The Adult Sexuality Seminar. It is. A-S-S. <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay, so this this next part, since you are being watched, not only are we all three talking, we're, we're facing people, they're listening to us, and I'm sure they have some questions and stories too. So this is your time. I have to hear from some of you guys. Um, who here has a story? And yeah, what's your name? Uh, hi, my name's Scotty, and I have a question for, for the three of you. Um, I grew up in the Catholic Church, um, and that could mean quite a few different things, but sexuality was very open and very a common conversation. Um, and it was kind of taught in the sense that this is exclusive to marriage, but it wasn't ever really seen as too shameful. It was, I'm curious, do you still hold the belief and teach that sex is to be waited on till then or a specific moment? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, thanks for answering first, Pastor Amy. <laughs> sorry, I'm yeah. sorry. No, no, no. Fair. That's fair. I'm sorry. No, that's fair. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, we here don't teach that people need to wait until they're married to 
um, express their sexuality alone or with a friend. <laughs> um, but a lot of the conversation that we have with middle schoolers and high schoolers is about how you know that um, what your body is capable of doing is something that is equally healthy for your mind and your emotions and your psyche um, and your relationships. And um, as you know, I was saying a little earlier, I am outspoken with my own teenagers that um, teenage sex is not a great thing because it's not um, an activity that's uh, that's um, best engaged in before you've got some impulse control, right? So the more your brain develops as a sexual organ, the better this is going to work for you. So that's where the conversation about sex as an adult activity, if you consider yourself adult enough to do it, then do it like an adult. It's not a casual thing, but not um, something that I would um, try to prohibit from uh, people who assess their own readiness for sexual engagement. I, I have a, a nine-year-old and a five-year-old just, they're just about to turn nine to five. Uh, older daughter, younger son. And, um, and I've thought about this a lot. Some, I guess, general principles would be, you know, people make better decisions when they have a high self-esteem than when they have a low self-esteem. You know, information, like what Pastor Amy's been talking about, information is empowering. When my children, um, and I will, would hope that they would be adults, like engage in sexual activity, and, and even if they're younger in, in sexual play, that they're doing it out of, from a place of feeling powerful and good about themselves and in a community that's going to love them so that they will can continue to make good decisions as the, the anxiety and the stress and the, oh my God, what is my what did my body just do? As that kind of craziness happens, um, that they're not they're not running running scared and making bad decisions. And yeah, and here's one of the significant societal shifts that has enabled me to be where I am in my thinking about sexual expression. Um, it's massive. Uh, now, I mean, my kids, your kids, know from the time they are little that they have agency over their bodies. They can say, don't touch me. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was four, in my 40s before I realized that I didn't have to hug people that creeped me out, yeah. right? Wow. Um, but little kids now understand that they can say no and they are taught it in school. I mean, they're taught <laughs> all kinds of crazy things in school, but they're taught that they can say no and that nobody can touch you without your permission. Their doctor tells them that, their teachers tell them that, their parents tell them that, and that's an absolutely foundational understanding
for being able to be a 17-year-old who decides they can say yes. Yeah, yeah. That, my thought actually goes back to that, which I'm really glad you said that. Um, for me, um, this is going to sound like a roundabout way to get there, but I promise it gets there. Um, <clears throat> when, I left, when I left my faith, um, I went into mysticism. I went into Tantra. I went to Eastern religion. I went to the things that equated sexuality as the divine because I wanted to learn. So I said, by going to all of that, I learned the importance of the, the language of my body. And learning that, it just opened a whole new door, right? Uh, I, I've had sex and I hadn't had sex and I experienced the same energy of my body. So I believe now, and this is, this is learning process, right? I'm not making a big conclusion yet. But I believe that you can work with sexual energy and, and, and become comfortable with that without needing to actually have sex. You can look in a person's eyes with an eye-gazing tantric exercise and all of a sudden you just feel your body vibrate and buzz and you're not having sex. You can, you can hold hands in a very sensual and intentional way and feel all the power of love and sexuality in this touch and not have sex. And once I opened up my body to those possibilities, all of a sudden I'm realizing you can work with the same power, lust, love, boundaries, good and evil, um, a, a taking energy or, or an absorbing energy or a giving energy. You can figure all that stuff out. You can figure out sexual energy without having sex. And it all goes back, I mean, the essence of Christianity, it's, it's, it's an Eastern religion, all the roots of it. And what I've discovered in, in understanding that, the language of scripture came to life to me again. You know, um, the language of what, what God in the churches, all that started to come to life. Uh, and I'm still, this is my relearning of that now. If my contributions are teaching others to have sex, I'm learning what it means to be a Christian again. And I think it's a beautiful interchange, an absolutely beautiful interchange. Yeah. Other questions and stories? Okay. Hey, I'm Elizabeth. Um, I feel like we might have been a little bit on Sex 101, and I want to take this to maybe, maybe a little Sex 201 and queer it up a little bit. Oh. Um, sorry. <laughs> good. That's good. Yeah, so y'all have been talking a little bit about sex positivity. Um, and as an asexual person who doesn't experience sexual desire, I wonder how um, we as Christians might understand uh, and talk about sexuality without equating it as a perfectly good, wonderful, and natural thing that everyone does, um, and how, if, if we're thinking about understanding God through sex in our bodies, how we might also think about understanding God in other ways. Great. Wow, good question. I have a response to that. I'm not sure if it hits it. Tell me, you could tell me if it hits it. Uh, to me, it's just about pleasure. I think if we just understand to appreciate pleasure, guilt-free pleasure, in any way, I think that's a step towards what you're looking for. Um, yeah. So you mean like, could be like squishing your toes in mud or eating them, or do you mean specifically sexual pleasure? Like, well, I'm, I'm meaning that I got a friend of mine who's a Venice Bohemian Sam sculptor who's asexual, who does not have a sex drive, but he has the most amazing pleasure when he sand sculpts. Okay. And it took him a lot of work to allow himself that pleasure. Okay, so my mic goes out here, but uh, the bullet points of what I share in my response is where he puts that sexual energy is into his art. Um, in fact, he's a sand sculptor. So can you imagine what it's like to create a piece of art 
that gets washed away by the ocean in, in about in about an hour, right? The art only exists for an hour long after eight hours of work. So the, the effort put into um, something like this, it's all for the moment. It's the joy and pleasure of creating um, art, um, not for the art to last, but in the creation of it. And in the same way, sexual energy for this asexual person, it goes into the creation of beautiful things just as it can for those who are also asexual in their life. Their sex goes into other parts in their life. To your question, does that sort of address what you were talking about? Yeah, actually that is a thing that I've been thinking about and especially with me with food and cooking. It's very, very pleasurable things. Yeah, I'm just I, I'm just interested in how the rest of y'all would nuance this conversation a little bit more. My favorite response of the night happens to be with Elizabeth's question and it comes from one of Glendale's other pastors, April Baker. I don't know that I'm the one to educate us on that. I think Elizabeth is the one who can can do that. Um, I do think that to see ourselves as sexual beings, um, we like to claim that and, and say it's part of who we are and how God created us. Um, and maybe that's not universally true. Um, we have a sexuality of some sort, but our createdness and um, our expression of the image of the holy within us um, is so multifaceted that if we say we're all this, we're all that, we're all this, we're all that, then we miss so much of the divine and we miss so much of the human expression of the divine. Um, it's you know, you can go back to the gendered conversations about God. Um, God as male diminishes everything that's not male. God as male or female diminishes everything that is not male or female. God as, and the more we define the the holy, um, the less we understand it and the less we experience it. So I think the conversations that we can have about who we are and how we are and how we deal with human sexuality, whatever that means. Um, lets us move into a deeper understanding of what the holy is and embrace mystery in a way that maybe we've never done before. So this is all the time we have for this podcast. There is a wonderful amount of fascinating conversation that we have to cut from this episode, but we're going to put it all on the website, www.touchpodcast.com. Tell us about this conversation you have with researcher Sean Warner Garcia from UC Santa Barbara. On the next one, my conversation with Sean get deep into the roots of, of, of my background, Baptists, and things get crazy. So definitely listen in and join this Oliver Stone discovery with me. Baptists. Ooh, man. Okay. <clears throat>